Welcome to the Restaurant Boiler Room, Episode 16. I'm your host, Rick Ormsby, Managing Director at Unbridled Capital. Today in the Boiler Room, review from the annual Pizza Hut convention, Q1 Restaurant Same Store Sales Update, preparing to sell a franchise business, and how to build a franchise business. The Restaurant Boiler Room is a one-stop shop for multi-million dollar merger and acquisition activity and financial complexities affecting the franchise restaurant industry. We talk money, deals, valuations, and risk. Delivered to the front door of franchisees, private equity firms, family offices, large investors, and franchisors on an every other week basis. Feel free to find our content at Unbridled Capital's website at www.unbridledcapital.com. Now let's enter the boiler room. Our first topic is a review from the Pizza Hut Convention. Unbridled just attended the annual Pizza Hut Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. I've been attending this convention for almost 15 consecutive years, and it is a gathering of most of the domestic Pizza Hut franchisees, along with corporate employees and vendors. By the way, and as an aside, I'm a Vanderbilt alum from many years ago, and so I know the town of Nashville quite well. I'm amazed at the number of cranes in the Nashville skyline. There must be 25 or more. It's shocking to see how much that city has grown in the past decade. If you've been there, you'll see it immediately. Downtown now looks like a mix of Bourbon Street and downtown Dallas, and there's a constant buzz of people and new ideas everywhere. Someone on the street told me that 100 new people move to Nashville each day. Wow. But I digress. Now, the Pizza Hut brand, Pizza Hut itself, posted flat same-store sales growth in Q1 domestically on the heels of a difficult 2018. The brand is dealing with declining transactions, a heavy mix of legacy assets, a very old franchise base, and a lack of menu innovation. However, much like the buzz in Nashville, you can kind of feel the buzz of a hopeful Pizza Hut turnaround underway. Just by walking around the convention this year, you can see the young faces, the argyle socks, and the tan dress shoes. In the past several years, no less than five new, young, family office and PE-backed franchisees have entered the Pizza Hut brand. These new franchisees are optimistic, well-capitalized, young, and have fresh ideas to offer in terms of operations, marketing, and strategy. Unbridled has been at the forefront of this trend and is honored to play a large role in ushering these new franchisees into the Pizza Hut system. You know, and I feel like the generational transition of the Pizza Hut brand from 70-year-old and 80-year-olds to the 30- to 40-year-olds will ultimately be one of the most important factors in the revitalization of the brand as it looks to inject fresh capital, better operations, newer assets, and new energy into Pizza Hut. Now, Yum! is a great company, and it has attracted the best and most sophisticated franchisees for many years. In my opinion, it remains the gold standard for restaurant franchisees. Most of the new entrants into the Pizza Hut brand also believe this to be true. They also see a bunch of operational upside in their acquisitions, and they are less fearful of abandoning mediocre dining assets for Delco relocations. Finally, Pizza Hut remains unique across all franchise brands and having only about 100 franchisees in 6,500 locations. The average franchisee is large. This scale and the corresponding reasonable valuations for the brand create a great platform investment for a first-time executive backed by outside capital who wants to have a large operation and healthy G&A structure to hire, train, and retain a great management team. For these reasons, we expect Pizza Hut multiples to remain near their recent highs of 5.75 5.75 to 6.5 times EBITDA on a post-GNA basis and before considering several years of future remodeling expenses. Our second topic for today is the Q1 Restaurant Same Store Sales Update. 
Background here is that Q1 restaurant earnings have been coming out in the past week or so. They kind of trickle out. Here's a small sample. Taco Bell was at 4% positive same-store sales growth. KFC was at 2% positive. Pizza Hut was flat. Wendy's was plus 2%. Wingstop was 7% up. And Papa John's was down 7%. Now, here's some comments. Generally, sales are looking strong across the country and across the industry in Q1 after a stormy February in the Midwest and Northeast. Real GDP growth was 3.2% in Q1, but is expected to lessen significantly in Q2. Unemployment has steadily remained near historical lows at 3.8%. The 10-year Treasury has dropped substantially in the past several quarters to about 2.5%, now sitting 50 basis points lower than just a year ago. Finally, due to labor inflation, brands are increasing pricing by about 3%, which is creating most of the sales increases. All in all, the industry continues to appear healthy, noting that cost pressures in the business are increasing, as well as competition from new unit development. Now the effects on M&A. For Yum, the story remains the same. Taco Bell is a darling, KFC is steadily producing strong results, and Pizza Hut is trying to regain momentum. Wendy's appears to be having transactional success with its Biggie bag and quite a new franchisees who have entered the brand recently. Wingstop has been a name I continue to hear frequently in the franchise community. Many friends and clients want to buy Wingstop units because of their unit growth potential, low development costs, digital ordering growth, and high IRR. Just be careful on the wild swings and chicken wing prices. And finally, Papa John's has had some big news in announcing that founder John Snodder might sell some or all of his stock in the company. With the addition of the new loyalty program, Shaq is a board member, franchisee, and spokesman. In the upcoming rollover of the public reaction to Snodder's comments last year, we hope to see same-store sales improve in the Papa John's brand in the next quarter and throughout the year. Our third topic for today is preparing to sell a franchise business. Now, the background here, I'm often approached by operators who want to sell their franchise businesses. That's no surprise. They commonly ask, how do I prepare for this? And I think it's a great question, as it suggests the franchisee is planful and recognizes that selling a company is complex and requires a plethora of analysis from all angles. You got price, risk, legal, leases, taxes, your legacy, your family, and others, just to name a few. You know, as such, here are a few ideas to keep in mind. Number one, Review your P&Ls and pay for someone to give you an opinion of how your expenses compare with other franchisees in your brand and geographically. Take the temperature of your business and work on any improvements. Number two, do a thorough review of your leases to make sure they are solid. Where appropriate, try to extend lease terms or options. Buyers want long lease lives and flexibility if any store's performance is poor. Number three, Consider your remodeling obligations and their timing. You'll need help from someone like Unbridled to give you thoughts on when to remodel or build new units and the pacing and sequencing of doing so if considering a sale. The last thing you want to do is spend too much capital on a remodeling project and not get credit for your hard work and dollars spent through the sale process. Number four, the franchise M&A industry has changed a ton in the last few years. You likely do not currently know the ultimate buyer of your business. Because of the big increases in the family office buyers in the franchise space, you certainly don't know how to negotiate with them either, I guess likely speaking. So just go ahead and convince yourself of that. Number five, M&A has gotten much more complex. Franchisees are exposing themselves to unnecessary risk and leaving money on the table. You need a good attorney with transaction experience. 
Most franchisees have a good attorney relationship, but many of those attorneys are great at overall business issues, but don't have much specific franchise M&A experience. From our standpoint, an inexperienced M&A attorney will create headaches and suboptimal results in a sale. Number six, deals take hundreds of hours of time, so you need to be prepared for the journey. Doing it alone is an impossibility unless you neglect your operations, your family, or your health. You will need the support of your family and from a competent team, including an M&A advisor who is excellent, doesn't have conflicts with buyers, and is trustworthy. And number seven, recent tax law changes necessitate a CPA who knows M&A and has buy-sell experience. This is like the attorney comment that I just made earlier. Our fourth topic for today is how to build a franchise business. Now, I was recently chatting with a founder of a very successful law firm that is now almost 40 years old. I was doing an interview with him and afterwards asked for his advice in building a sustainable business, and he offered the following. Number one, don't be too broad. Stay focused and excellent at doing fewer things. Number two, always be innovative. Never stop coming up with new ideas. And number three, hire good thinkers. You can always teach someone about a particular industry, but good thinkers are very hard to find. Now, I thought these are great points to consider when building a franchise business, too. Many of you listening are younger. This podcast tends to attract young 30s with MBAs who are looking to acquire franchise assets by partnering with family offices. As mentioned earlier, we have put several groups like this into restaurant deals in the past year. My advice to you is very similar to what I was told by the founder of the law firm. Here you go. Number one, get narrow and focused immediately. Too many investors and franchisees start their journey by wanting to look at every deal and every brand. That is a bad idea. Step back, take your time, and really develop a strategy. Learn about the top 50 brands in the country. Get to know their stories. Watch and read the news about these brands. Talk with experts. Watch their trends, sales results, unit growth, size of the franchise base, age of the brand, new product promotions, all these things. And once you have done this, you'll start to naturally develop a thesis on two to three brands that make the most sense for you. Then number two, start looking at deal flow. The big mistake here is that most would-be business owners look at deal flow too early, and that deal flow starts developing their strategy for them instead of their strategy developing from market research and continual thought. Don't look at deal flow closely until you have narrowed the brands you want to pursue. Number three, go to the franchisor to get approved. Unless one of your brands is struggling badly and there's little demand in the M&A market, you're never going to win a bid on a franchise acquisition target if you're not approved in the particular brand. In this environment, there are always several other buyers. Most sellers will take a substantial reduction in price, all things equal, to deal with an approved buyer instead of one who isn't. Number four, set a goal for making an offer. It is usually reasonable to look at a few deals before making your first offer. On the other side, I've rarely seen anyone become a new franchisee who hasn't made at least two to three offers in the first six months of starting their search. There are many, many tire kickers who go for months or years of looking at deals and never win one. This is a likely outcome of not setting your strategy and focusing early on. Number five, start looking for an operator. The time to start looking for an operator is once you start planning your meetings with franchisors. If you are dependent on an excellent management team in place in order to acquire a franchise business, you're likely not going to win the deal unless your price is much higher than everyone else's. Why? 
Existing and well-capitalized franchisees nearby want those deals and can typically offer a better assurance of closing. Also note that without an operator, most brands will not fully approve you. And number six, go get them. If you're prepared and have followed these steps, you should be ready to buy a franchise business. Good luck and go get them. Thanks so much for entering the Boiler Room today. You can find our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you like these podcasts, please listen, rate, and review. I also encourage you to visit our website at www.unbridledcapital.com for the best franchise M&A and financial resources in the industry. Our website includes podcasts, videos, white papers, and a list of our M&A transactions. Please note that neither Rick Ormsby nor Unbridled Capital LLC give legal, financial, or tax advice. These podcasts represent opinions that have been prepared on informational purposes only. We expressly disclaim any and all liabilities that may be based on such information, errors therein, or omissions therefrom. Mm-hmm.